What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Another episode of Full Court Press brought to you by Geek Vibes Nation. This episode is entitled Big Bola Embezzlement uh, uh, with, with, a, with a capital B on the third letter of uh, embezzlement. Um, I really tried to find like something that would begin with B, but like nothing, nothing worked. So I went, I went with embezzlement. I had to settle. Uh, Juwan, you know the struggle when coming up with titles. Uh, give me, give me a, a, a letter grade on this one. Uh, a to F. Uh, what, what you gonna give me here? I'm gonna give you a solid A, man. I'm gonna give you a solid A. All right. and, uh, it, it's not as easy as people think. It's definitely very difficult. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, uh, well, thank you. Uh, I, I always appreciate a solid A. Uh, and also joining us tonight is Luke. What up, Luke? Not much, y'all. Glad to be back. Indeed, sir. Uh, man, it's been a while. Uh, it's been over a week. Uh, of course, we, we took last Thursday off to uh, enjoy the first day of March Madness. And we'll get into uh, some of our tournament takeaways, but we do have some some uh, news out the gate before we get there, um, starting with Lonzo Ball. Um, we try so hard to get away from talking Lakers, but <laughs> inevitably, somehow, it just always comes back to the Lakers or somebody on the Lakers. Um, but anyway, so Lonzo Ball uh, recently made the decision to remove co-founder of Big Baller Brand, Alan Foster, uh, after he could not account for $1.5 million missing dollars from both the company and Lonzo's personal funds. We've seen a slew of different things um, since this decision was made. Um, now, for a little context here, uh, it, he actually came – he's a, he, he's a family friend um, and actually came to be a family friend because uh, Lonzo uh, was friends with his son. Um, and that's like, you know, how he was able to ingratiate himself into the ball family. Um, so, uh, so that, I mean, it seems like from everything that, you know, that I've read, uh, that, you know, I mean, he, he has been around for a while now, obviously that he had previously been arrested and served time, uh, for fraud. And, you know, once, you know, Nike or not Nike. Um, I think it was uh, SI or perhaps ESPN uh, was doing an interview with Lonzo uh, and mentioned it to him, and he said he was not aware of that and that he was going to look into it. Well, subsequently, he has looked into it, um, and things don't look good on that end. Um, now, to further this story, uh, we had like an Instagram post and then a response um, from Lamelo. Uh, maybe indicating that Lonzo won't be with Big Baller Brands uh, or will maybe, um, you know, uh, close up shop on Big Baller Brand and sign a deal with Nike. Um, 
A lot of things to unpack here, but uh, what do you take away from this story, Jawan, uh, as it pertains to all of the you know ins and outs uh, with Lonzo Ball breaking ties with Alan Foster, uh, you know, a, a founding member of Big Baller Brand? Well, I, I do know that the guy was reportedly claiming that he did not take the money, like as far as like for for him personally, um, but that's worse. Um, I, I guess I would kind of prefer you to have taken it than for you to say, I don't know where the money is. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of just like you can't, you can't bring everyone with you. Like not everybody is meant right. to be with you. Um, and you hear that a lot of especially um, black kids that, that grow up that don't come from much. They feel as though everyone that was with them on their way up should be with them. Uh, and that is not right. the case. Mike that Tyson is, not the is case. probably the best example of that. Yes, I would definitely agree. Um, because quickly what you find out is is that some of them just don't have any skills, so they revert back to what they know. Um, that is how you get that much money missing. Um, so it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, it, it, and it's going to sound bad when I say this, but it's a live and learn. Um, and the reason why I said it sounds bad is because the, you learning from this means you just lost millions of dollars. Um, but it's still a valuable lesson to, to, you know, to learn definitely. But I will say as far as Lonzo going with Nike, I believe, um, is who he was going with. Yeah. He kind of didn't do that's, himself that's any favors. Not been confirmed. Sorry, I'm sorry. But, uh, that's the speculation as of now. Right, that he might be with Nike. Um, I don't think he did himself any favors for two reasons. One, you came into the league when a lot of these shoe companies wanted you, and you could have just robbed them blind. Um, and two, you haven't played up to being drafted as high as you were. Like, there was a lot of talk um, of Lonzo being, you know, such a gifted passer, such a, a great player, a team guy and everything, and he's kind of fallen flat. Now, again, for whatever reasons, whether you want to say injuries or just kind of meshing with teammates, whatever. Um, so, to me, if I'm Nike, I'm lowballing you like crazy. Um, oh, hell yeah. To me, it's like that's what every shoe company is going to do. One, because you made us look bad by starting your own shoe company. And two, it's not like you came out of the gate like LeBron. So, it's like, what do I need to pay you a crazy amount of money for? It's not going to make itself up. So there's not a bunch of kids out there jumping to buy Lonzo. Um, yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like he, unfortunately, because of his dad, put himself in a very, very crazy spot when it comes to making money from sponsorships because a lot of them was, were rubbed the wrong way with them trying to come out of the gate and build their own brand. Um, and now it kind of seems like now that it didn't work and you're not generating that income, you need us. And whenever that is the case in business, you will never come out looking good. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned the injuries because, I mean, there has been some reporting that would suggest that, you know, Lonzo's had three uh, different ankle injuries, and there has been some reporting that maybe he is not, you know, his his feet and ankles aren't as protected as they should be, um, by the shoes that he's been wearing, uh, which, you know, he often wears the big baller brand shoes. Um, now he has said he feels like perfectly comfortable in them, no discomfort. Like he, he likes them just fine. 
Um, but there's a difference between a shoe being comfortable and a shoe protecting you. Um, I, I don't, I mean, obviously none of us know, you know, what, what the deal is there as far as if, if those shoes may or may not have contributed to his injury. Um, but obviously it's something that the Lakers uh, front office has had some concern with, um, and, you know, since they brought it up and, you know, ultimately Lonzo uh, said, you know, he was cool with whatever. Like if they wanted him to wear different shoes, he would wear different shoes. It wouldn't, it, it would be fine with him, um, which I think, I think Lonzo has done a really good job of being a team guy. I think he's been a um, surprisingly um, like very solid defender in the league. Obviously his injury concerns, um, his inability to consistently make, jump shots or free throws. Um, those are obviously very concerning things. Uh, but I would agree with you, Juwan. I, I don't think, I don't see any way in which he gets the bag that he could have gotten had he just signed the deal, um, you know, coming in because there was so much hype behind him uh, when that happened. And the fact that, you know, he basically deferred to his father and put his father in control um, or let his father have control there rather, um, didn't do him any any service any services, um, and I think he's kind of starting to see that now. Um, of course, you know before he inevitably parted ways with Foster, um, kind of again deferred to his father to, to try and figure um, figure out the situation. Which I guess it would either appear that um, Lavar, you know, said, "Hey man, maybe we should split with this guy," or Lonzo, if you you know want to read into his post of. Um, him being his own man, uh, made this decision for himself. Um, but anyway, you cut it. I think I don't. I don't want to focus too much on Lavar because we don't know all the ins and outs. But anyway, you cut it. I think that Lonzo cutting ties with his dad, such close ties with his dad, um, probably bodes well for him, uh, both in the short term and in the long term. And honestly, in their own relationship, because, you know, I mean, you, I don't feel like you can really blame your son for wanting to make, you know, make his own way. Um, I I mean, I I feel like LeVar is a good father. I feel like he does care about his kids a lot. And if, if he, if he's the guy that I kind of peg him as, um, then I would think that he wouldn't be that upset about that. Um, And that's better than, you know, essentially not letting that happen and then ruining your relationship with your child. Um, so, I, would I mean, say, I, Nick, I, I, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I would say part of the, the thing that, that is going to, that ended up hurting them uh, on the back end is if LeVar had have done it to where he did a partnership with one of these uh, big shoe companies, like did a partnership to where, Obviously, he's out there running his mouth, and, you know, Lonzo's backing it up with his game. Uh, what you could have done is once you've built your core fan base, like you got a bunch of people buying the Lonzos and stuff like that, that is when you take the genius idea of saying, you know what, I'm going to use all this money that we've generated through these shoes, and I'm going to start my own company. I'm going to start doing our own sure. shoes and stuff like that, because that way you've learned how the shoes were made. You've learned – like you've made, you know, partners and stuff like that. So it would have been an Correct. easier transition for you. 
rather than starting it on your own. Then when it failed, and then Lonzo looked to go to an actual shoe company, they're all like, dude, we just saw you fail. Like, we know you need us. So, yeah, here's right. $2 million instead of the maybe 10 he could have gotten when he was first drafted. So that right. will be one of their biggest mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just leaving money on the table, basically. Um, but, uh, Luke, going to throw it over to you here. Uh, what are your thoughts on this whole saga, this whole story here? Yeah, I mean, you guys have, like, pretty much touched on all of them. But it's just – um, it's interesting because um, you guys keep on saying, like, he's going to get the shoe deal. But I'm out here thinking, like, he's going to have to wait. I mean, they're not going to just automatically, like, he just got off, uh, you know, big baller brand and everyone's out to, like, ready to sign him. I mean, you still have all these kids that are going to come through the draft that they're going to probably rather sign to. I mean, not even them just being mad right now at him for, like, what he did and starting his own brand. It's just the whole that – like you guys said, he's been injured. He doesn't really have a name. I mean, yeah, you're in Los Angeles. I mean, I guess you can get some of that, but you for don't now. really. Yeah, for now. But, I mean, you just you haven't been the player and all that. So, And so all these kids that are about to come out of the draft, they're going to get all their shoe deals because they're doing the right thing. So I think it hurt Lonzo, you know, right now. And, it's you know, it might hurt him in the, the long end. But I think it's it's going to help him just stepping away from it and, and like you said, I mean, there, you can't really read too much into the whole, like, with him and his dad, but I think he made this decision for once in his life, and he's sticking with it, and I think it's a good one. And hopefully just separating, like, separating himself with his dad and this summer, you know, get back to being healthy, um, you know, get into a shoe, you know, find a shoe for you. I mean, maybe he does get a shoe deal and all that, or just start wearing some better shoes, I mean. I, I'm not going to completely blame the ankle injuries because it can happen in any shoe, but I do blame it on right. that shoe. I mean, there's a lot of technology that's gone into these shoes and these companies that have been there for years and have failed in all that. And so their technology, I mean, Zion blowing out of a Nike is a freak accident or just, just showing you, like, Zion is a, a freak of a specimen. Like, their shoes right. are going to have to, like, refigure. Like, that shouldn't happen. Nike even was just like, yo, whoa, like – our shoes are better. Like they, they put that science into their shoes and all that Where I highly doubt big baller brand did. I mean, they were getting these shoes probably really cheap, selling them for like oh, way more than what they're worth. They're probably like, like trying to get them. Yeah. China getting manufactured. There's no technology behind it. I mean, this kid has never really had ankle injuries in college. It's not like he was known at UCLA for like, oh, he's going to turn his ankle or something like that. And now he's right. wearing these shoes that just don't look anything. I mean, so I think it's going to help him just even just getting out. Like he said, I think, too, that he's going to wear the Kobe's. It's like, good, wear a good shoe. Yeah. Like, wear a shoe that's going to, like, you know, get to the summer, start training, being healthy, getting a good shoe that you can finally, like, maybe his confidence down his head. Like, man, I can't really play in these shoes that I'm worried, like, all the time. Now he's, like, can get his confidence back, and we can see that Lonzo that – was all that hype behind him coming out of college, being that good team player. I mean, he like like you said, Nick, he's a great defender. Like, a lot of people yeah. don't really see that in him. But he's, like, like a key defender for them and probably, like, one of the better point guard defenders. But I think if he oh, could yeah. just, like, zone he, – he could finally have a summer of being healthy and not having to deal with an injury and just really get back into his game – step away from his dad, the business, because now he's not having to run a business or put his, like, mindset into it. You know, he's going to, like, Nike, Adidas, even Puma, like, all these companies are going to have their marketing team that's going to be like, we're marketing for you. So 
I think it's just a lot of that stress is now taken off of him, and he can just get back to basketball. And I think that's all Lonzo wants is just really just play basketball and not have to worry about it. And then maybe, you know, a year from now after he does really good, he gets that shoe deal that he could have got. But I think for right now, and I don't really see people jumping, like companies really jumping at him because, I mean, I, there's a lot of kids in college I could probably get for cheaper, and they're going to have, a, like, a hot name right now too. So, I, I mean, he might have to play the waiting game. But, like I said, it's just – I think in the end it was a smart basketball decision to to step away from the company, get into, you know, a better shoe. Like, you you're, you understand that it's it's a bad shoe for you. And, you know, just get to your game. So, I like it for it Lonzo. Also hurt and I think it's a No, I was just saying, it'll also hurt him if he gets traded. If he gets traded, that'll hurt him a lot. Um, Because if he gets, like, let's just say that the trade for AD goes through and he gets sent to the Pelicans. Um, I do feel like that will shake his confidence a little bit. And that's such a small market. I I know, Nick, uh, I think you were the one that was telling me, like, um, New Orleans isn't that small of a market. Um, And AD being there kind of helped grow that market a little bit. But I kind of think if you're no, a that about company, Toronto. Oh, about Toronto. New Orleans yeah, is sorry, a I'm small sorry. market. <laughs> like gotcha, New Orleans okay. is the world's smallest. To, like yeah. I was thinking. I was like, no, maybe it wasn't. It was New Orleans. But to me, if I'm a shoe company, I'm more interested in you being in LA, mainly because you get a lot of TV games. Um, you're playing next to LeBron. People are are watching it. So in turn, they're seeing those shoes. You wearing those shoes. If you get shipped over <laughs> to um, New Orleans. Not many people are watching those games. Not many of them are going to be televised. Nope. Um, nope. So, to me, if I'm a shoe company, I, I do agree with Luke in the sense of maybe he doesn't have a deal on the horizon because a lot of these shoe companies are waiting. And if they're smart, they wait until after they know for sure Lonzo will be either in L.A. or New Orleans before they give him that money because I want to give money to a guy who's going to be on TV a lot so people can see the shoe. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, um, one that I hadn't, you know, fully considered as far as, you know, will he get one sooner rather than later. I still think he gets one. I think um, sooner rather than later. Um, I just think it, like like we said at the beginning, or like you said, Juwan, it, it'll be a small, it'll be a low ball offer. Um, but you know what? I mean, for now, like these, these shoe contracts, you know, they, they don't run for, you know, a super long time. I mean, unless you're LeBron and you sign the lifetime contract or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think ultimately he still w- would get one. It's just not going to be what it, what it would have been, um, you know, gotten it right out the gate, but you know, it's, it's a, it's, there's a lot of lessons here. Um, a lesson in nepotism, um, you know, and, you know, in, in, you know, like you said, Juwan, who you trust, um, who you, who you take with you, so to speak, um, and and ultimately, you know, I agree with you, Luke. I think um, just getting back to playing basketball should be his focus right now. I don't even think the shoe deal aspect of everything. I don't think that should be his focus. I think um, just leave that to your agent. You know, let him let him do that for you. That's why you have an agent, um, and you just focus on basketball and you know getting healthy and doing what the team needs, you know, whether that be the Lakers or whether it be a different team. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see how it all pans out. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, happy 
I, put it this way. I'm happy that it seems like Lonzo was able to take this negative and turn it into a positive. Um, and that's, um, you know, something that we all have to learn at some point in life. And good that he, you know, was able to learn it at a much younger age than a lot of people. Um, so good on him. Uh, we're, uh, we're rooting for you, Lonzo. Um, and, uh, you know, keep your head up and, you know, like do your thing, whatever it is you want to do. If you want to keep big ball brand, do it. If you want to sign with Nike and they want you do it, like, um, but, you know, definitely make your own decisions and, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, what he, what he, what he's got to do at this point. Um, anyway, let's move on. Uh, only spent 20 minutes talking about uh, a Lakers topic. So nice. Like we, we, we shaved that down a lot from the last, last couple of weeks we brought it up, brought them up. Um, let's talk about an actual Western conference playoff team. Uh, we, we talked about it last week about how McCollum um, had suffered an injury and would miss some extended time. Um, now we got even worse news coming out of uh, Portland. Yusuf Nurkic will miss the remainder of the season after suffering a broken leg against the Nets on Monday. Man, this fucking sucks. Like, this is, um, I mean, of course, sucks for Nurkic. Nurkic is having the best season of his career. He's arguably been the second best player on that team this season. Um, you know, I mean, McCollum's kind of had a down year, and he's had a really good year. Um, he's meant so much to that team. Um, and they have him on a, you know, pretty reasonable contract. Um, so, you know, for the next three years after this season. Um, so like everything, you know, was kind of, you know, especially before the McCollum injury was, was trending in the right direction for the Blazers. And in the last 10 days, you know, everything seems to kind of be falling apart and setting them up for another first, first round exit. Um, again this season, I I just hate to see it because I love Dame's commitment to that team. I love CJ's commitment to that team. Um, they haven't always made made the best decisions as far as how to utilize their um, you know their their cap and their um, their uh, their money in free agency, which is unfortunate. Um, they are hit or miss with draft picks, as are every team, um, but. You know, that I, I still feel like Zach Collins should pan out to be a pretty decent pick. I thought he would have a better season than he's had this year. Um, but he's going to have to step up. Obviously, you have Cantor, you have Myers Leonard. Um, what do you make of this injury, Luke? And, and what do you think they need to do in the short term? Obviously, they're going to have a, a big playoff series coming up. Um, how would you handle the absence of Nurkic in the short term? with the guys that they have in their rotation. No, I mean, it's absolutely devastating. I mean, I was watching it last night, especially like right at the end of the game too, just like, oh man, just hard to stomach. <clears throat> I really hope he gets back, you know, to, you know, to his health and everything he comes back, you know, stronger than ever. It's just, it's, it's tough to see an injury like that. And it's like you've been saying just for a playoff team that was making a push. I mean, Portland's definitely one of those teams that was trying to like get home court advantage and all that and, or like keep it or be one of the higher seeds and all that. And just to get this right at the end of the, I mean, they're probably going to miss CJ for the rest of the, I mean, they should just miss him for the rest of the year right now. I mean, I know they pushed it back five more games and might as well just sit him. But I mean, it's really tough how you're going to be able to 
manage those minutes. I mean, he really had a lot to do with this uh, with this team. Like you were saying, I mean, he's been way more involved. I think that's kind of been a little bit tough to CJ's game because it kind of diverted from making it just a Dame-CJ team to, like, maybe more Dame and put, uh, you know, start involving him a lot more. So I think that's what's he. So maybe, you know, this could be a plus side for CJ. He definitely needs to come out in the playoffs and all that and step it, you know, step it up and all that. But it's going to be, it's going to be tough for them. I mean, it's good that they got Ennis Cantor um, because he's a, he's, he's a big pickup. I mean, he's not going to be able to just jump in and get those minutes, but at least he's, he's a big body who can get you rebounds and, um, possibly like 12 points, but he's definitely going to get you a lot of rebounds and all that. I mean, now you can possibly see a lot more out of Collins. I mean, you guys have been a lot more higher than um, on him than I ever have. So maybe we, you know, we can finally see what he, what, what he's finally capable of. I mean, this is going to put, but it's, it's just, t- it's, it's going to be tough, man. I mean, right before the playoff run and all that, the, the whole team's basically going to have to, you know, change their, their game set. I mean, what their whole game plan too. I mean, it's going to make it easier for teams to, especially if CJ is not 100% coming out of the gate, for teams to definitely, you know, game managing and, like, what they're going to do. I mean, definitely double Damien and be like, no more Damien time, no more, you know. We're not going into that. And just double up on him and make the rest of the team beat him. I mean, I'd be confident of that. I just – I don't want to see another four and – like, you know, them just lose four straight uh, and get swept. Or even just, like, even winning one. I mean, I, I've always believed Portland's a better team than what they they end up, like, panning out to be in the playoffs. And like you say, I just – Dane's been so committed to this team. I think everyone has and the whole city – and, like, you know, the, they thought, the, I mean, I, I felt strong that they could definitely get into the next round of the playoffs, but it's going to be tough at this point, you know, what they're going to be able to do, who they're matched up against. I mean, right now it's against Utah. I mean, that's, that's still a good matchup for them because, you know, they, they do have Gobert, but, I mean, what we saw last year, what teams could do to him in the playoffs, and when you, put, you switch off them, so you're going to be running small. But it's going to be tough, I mean. It just you you never want to see this for a team right at the end of the year that is actually in the playoffs and they were actually playing for something. It's not like they were just like kind of playing the game, coasting and didn't care. I mean, they're they're playing for a better seed and all that and just just devastating. Yeah, I mean they the three seed was, you know, theoretically within reach. Um, but they definitely looked like they were had the four seed. They definitely looked like they had home court advantage. Um, but I mean, I just don't see that happening at this point. Jawan, your thoughts? I I haven't seen the injury. Um, I don't want to see the injury. Uh, injuries like this, um, Nick, I believe me and you were uh, me and you were talking about this before. Seems more common. Um, you know, whether it's college or or pros, it seems more common in the past ten years than I remember like any time before. Um, and it's just scary. It, it, it makes it scary to to watch some of these games because um, these are gruesome injuries. Like, this isn't like, oh, a guy fell on his back and, and you know, he had to be carted off as, like, he fell on his back wrong. Like, this is like, no, like, legs going wrong ways and, and stuff. So, um, it, it, it's tough. It, it really is because, obviously, you don't know when it could happen. The Gordon one was, was a shocker. I actually saw, I yeah. think it was the the Louisville game. 
um, that college game where that kid's bone, I think, came out. Like, I saw that live, and yeah. that really just made me just – I was like, I don't know if I could watch games like this where this stuff can happen. <laughs> like, it looked like Mortal Kombat. Like, it was crazy. So, yeah, that was just – you know, it's truly unfortunate. But uh, as you were saying, Luke, before of um, hoping everything works out, I think – and Nick, correct me if I'm wrong – they said the surgery was a success and there was no structural damage um, to, yeah. to any bones or anything. Um, so That's he will have a, 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 a full recovery. Um, probably won't come back for the start of next season, but he will play basketball again. So it wasn't one of those, you know, will he ever play basketball again? It seems like he will, but it'll be a Gordon, Paul George kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I kind of, Luke, you kept saying, like, you know <laughs> – um, you kind of don't want to see them swept again. I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of do purely just to keep showing Dame, Dame like this. You can't do it here. Like they, they aren't able to surround you with enough. You should look to go somewhere else. I don't want Damian Lillard to start to come out. Uh, you know, once he fully enters his prime, I don't want him to spend his full prime uh, years on a team that can't. And I'm not saying won't or don't. They can't find uh, good enough pieces to put around them. Um, I mean, honestly, if, if I'm Portland, there's a chance CJ can't come back. Obviously, you just lost uh, one of your big men. I know you guys are going to say this isn't going to cure anything, and I agree, but just to kind of appease Damian Lillard, I would see if Melo would be interested in just coming coming on for, for the ride of the playoffs. This is so Dame like you're trying to do something. Like you're not just gonna yeah. watch them, you know, get get booted out in four games. You want to show I them that you're doing something. Oh no no no! I, I agree with you. I, I do agree with you. But it's something that I'm saying. I would I would discuss bring like, to it the table. It wouldn't be a thing of yeah. Right. I wouldn't feel comfortable going into the playoffs with the roster that you currently have, with everything being kept intact. Um, and that is one of the teams that people speculated for him. Like that's that you know people were like maybe he could find a, a nice role on on a team like this. Um, well, if you the fact remember, that he just has played so little this year would scare me. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, it, it's like why not? You know, at this point, I wouldn't have done it before this injury. Um, but no, at this me point, either. It's me like, either. Man, why not? <laughs> you know. I mean. Because at this point, you look at it to where – and don't forget, Nick, remember when Melo, I think, was a free agent or was um, on the trade block from the Knicks. Damian Lillard had expressed – I can't remember if it was Lillard or – right, Lillard or McCollum. But one of them had expressed, like, how excited they would be to play with Melo. Right. So, to me, it's yes. like – it's one of those things to where it's like – This was pretty Melo, but <laughs> – Right, 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 yes. Um, I look at it like this. Is he rusty? Of course. Of course. He hasn't played in, it seems like, <laughs> a full season. Um, but yeah. I look at it to where it's like he could come there and be mellow, mainly because they don't really have, and again, this is if CJ is completely out. They don't have anyone yeah, else. Yeah, who's going to score the ball the when Damian Lillard's sitting on the bench? Right. Or even, Nick, like Luke said, what happens if he gets doubled? Because to me, that's what I'm doing off right. tip-off, is doubling him, and I'm forcing someone else to yeah. beat me. So it's like if Melo sure. can come in and let, let's be realistic. Let's say he can only get you about 15. That's something because I can't see anyone right. else on that team that can get you 15 um, confidently. Um, so I will me, say this. It's just like you but, cannot play him and Cantor together. 
Like that, you can't no, do that. No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. You got to bring like Myers Leonard in there to play with him, and even that, that's iffy. But you definitely can't play him with Cantor. No, and also, um, if it wasn't for Golden State and their ties, if, if you're uh, Portland, you're kind of wishing like Bogut, like didn't come back yet. Like <laughs> Bogut was just right. talking about wanting to come back because that's definitely a guy you you would have definitely wanted to. To lock up, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. to me, if you're Portland, go get a guy like Carmelo or specifically Carmelo, purely to show Lillard we are committed to you and we're trying to do whatever we can to help you win. And because realistically, you don't have really anyone else that could help score besides Lillard. Yeah, I mean, I don't love it, but at the end of the day, I I can't really. I can't definitively say that you're wrong here. <laughs> like, I would, I would, and and mainly because I would, I would argue this: if he comes in there and he gives you, like you said, 15 valuable minutes for two out of the four games you play, or maybe three out of the five, whatever it ends up being. Um, that I mean, maybe that's enough for you know, you to say, hey, like, we we like how you contributed. Like, we want to get you back in, you know, on a on a minimum deal and have you come in and, and you know, be try to be a part of this team um, if it works out. And, you know, if you're mellow, you're just looking for any opportunity. And if you're dealing with a team that gave you the opportunity on the playoff, like, framework uh, on that stage – maybe Mello's like, you know what, I got these two other teams that, you know, set their interested because of, you know, I played well enough, but, like, I'm going to stay with you guys because um, you gave me the chance. I mean, I, I don't know. I I think that's obviously a best-case scenario. I don't think this happens, um, but I like where your head's at, at in the sense, Juwan, of, like, I feel like you got to do something now. <laughs> Um, and that may be the only something that you got up your sleeve um, at this point in time. So, yeah, I mean, I, fuck, like I said, why not? Um, what do you think about that, Luke? Um, I wouldn't do anything. I'm not saying anything drastic because Sonny Mill is not drastic. And like you said, it's not bad just to add a body, but I would just keep it in shop. It's just it's, you are already going to have to write this guy into, like, your whole system have to figure it out. Might as well just give more guys minutes and all that and just stick what you got. Sure. I mean, I understand what you're saying with the keep Lillard and, like, you know, show him that you're committed to him. But I think Lillard understands that Portland's pretty been pretty committed to him. I mean, they're, I, like, I, I understand, John, you were saying, like, you felt like they're going to get swept, but I do feel like Portland's a good team. And no one's going to win in the West right now while Golden State has a team like that. So no matter what, even if they – like we're like a better of a team there. You're not going to be like the like golden States and all that. So might as well wait a year. I mean, they have a good right now. They're getting a lot. They're going to get out of a lot of money and they can make trades. So I do think Portland still, I, I think they're committed and they're going to, they're going to have to figure out something if that's trading TJ and all that, but they were, they did have a stable kind of like thing going on this year before even you know, this big injury. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I just hear, looked at it I in the sense of – oh, I'm sorry, Nick, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just – I was saying I, I'm just looking at it. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, Luke. I'm just looking at it from a sense of, like, let's say if Portland at least was getting to the second round, 
um, taking it to a game seven. Um, but obviously they lost like Houston or, or Golden State, someone like that. You can go, all right, well, dude, like it was Houston and Golden State. Um, but like you're now talking about who did they lose to last year uh, in the first round? New, I, New Orleans. Orleans. New Orleans. And we're talking about they could possibly lose to the Jazz in the first round this year. If I'm Damian Lillard, I don't know how many more times I can keep saying like, all right, well, yeah, it was Utah and they're good. And, you know, uh, New Orleans had Anthony. Like, no, those are those are what you call it. And I'm not saying, again, I was, I was trying to make it clear. I'm not saying that Portland's not trying to help Damian Lillard. They just don't know what to put around him specifically to build success, to even build off of. Like, you could say of a semblance that, that could help Dame, and they got to the second round, and again, lost in seven games, cool. We know what we need to do for the, uh, the next year. But it's now been year after year after year after year after year. Um, and to me, it's just like, if I'm Damian Lillard, it's like, yes, I'm going to keep saying that I'm here for my team. Um, but in the back of my head, I'm just kind of like, I'm looking at Harden got to the Western Conference Finals getting MVPs. I'm looking at Curry is working on his fourth ring. Clay is working on his fourth ring. Like, no, I want to start actually winning, being in Western Conference Finals. And it seems like, Portland is not where, where I can do it. Again, I'm even willing to say give them until next year. Let's see what they can do in the offseason. But if we're facing this kind of scenario again next year, we, we have to finally face the music of this cannot be where Dane spends his full career because it will never be for meaningful, meaningful uh, basketball games as far as Western Conference Finals or actual NBA Finals. Yeah, and if he just waits, like, here's the thing, like, he's 28, he's about to be 29 this offseason. He's got two years left on his deal. Like, he's going to be 31 by the time he's a free agent again um, and can choose where he wants to go. At that point, it's like, dude, that's a little too late, you know. Um, that's when we start to see the turn, if you will, for, for your average player. Um, like, he, he's – this is these next couple of years are basically it. So, you know, it, yeah. I mean, if he doesn't, I mean, I feel like this this year is maybe a bad example of it. Um, of course, KD leaving can you know shake things up, make some differences. Um, but it's it's nevertheless, it's still going to be tough. I mean, it's, Portland's always been you know somewhat of a, a difficult market um, to uh, to you know get free agents to uh, come to. Um, and they, you know, still have money, a lot of money on the books next season, uh, $126 million. Um, and that's, you know, without Al Farouk Aminu, Rodney Hood, Seth Curry, um, and Jake Lehman, who's been playing pretty well for him this season. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. Um, I mean, I, I ultimately, I, I like the fact that he is so committed to the team. Um, and at least it's not a situation where it's like Charlotte, where it's like Kimba's so committed to the team, but they can't even make the fucking playoffs. Um, so at least it's not on that level. Um, but at the same time, you know, I mean, you don't have you don't have very much longer um, to 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 you know make things work. And you know, I mean, if he could find himself um, via trade going to a team like the Lakers uh, and, and you know playing alongside LeBron, um, we've seen that that matchup work in the past with LeBron and Kyrie. Um, 
you know, and, and Portland can get back a lot of young pieces. Um, you know, that, that could definitely be beneficial. And there's other teams out there as well. I mean, you know, for instance, if, if Boston, um, you know, loses Kyrie, maybe they, you know, take some interest at going out and getting Damian Lillard. Um, and maybe they don't have to do a full rebuild. Maybe Boston's like, you know, we'll send you Gordon Hayward um, and, you know, some draft capital. Uh, so that way you can still have, like, a good player to pair with McCollum and still get draft capital. Um, you know, these are just, you know, theoretical possibilities, but um, it would be nice to see him on a, on a legit contender. And even if Katie leaves Golden State, I still don't feel like I would consider them a legit contender. Um, I just – I don't feel like they're at that level. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally hear where you're coming from there, Juwan. Um, but, uh, Luke, do you have anything else you want to add before we move on? Yeah, I just want to, I mean, I, I, I want to clear up. I mean, I know they have a lot in the books next year, but after that, I mean, they got a little bit more money. And if you – the real ones on the books for them past, you know, the 2020 years, just C.J. Dame and Nurkic. So, at least you, you have a structured scale, thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so other than, like, the rookie. So you do have kind of a structure and all that to, like, kind of come back and, like, say, hey, we'll circle back to it. But I don't see them trading Dame if they're going to trade anyone at CJ. But it's it's pretty hard to trade CJ. That um that contract gets a little little dicey towards the end, going close to the max money in the 30s. So I don't know. He's going to have to really prove something in this class. But it'll be interesting. I mean, that's – you make a good point because, I mean, I, I – I feel like that would be difficult. Um, one trade that I was mulling over like um, a couple days ago was just like a maybe some like second round consideration in there, but not not really terribly important. But just like an Evan Turner for Kent Bazemore swap um, in the off season, um, the Hawks could use a backup point guard, um, and Evan Turner would fit that bill um, much better than uh, Bazemore does. Um, the Hawks have a lot of wing depth right now, and I suspect they'll probably have more um, after the draft. Um, so, you know, I think that could help, you know, the Hawks out. And if you're the Blazers, getting a guy like Bays who can play, you know, sort of your backup two, but also give you some minutes at three in a small ball lineup with Harkless at the four. Um, I, I don't know. I think that may make a lot of sense. I mean, you're basically – I mean, I'm not saying it's making your team a whole lot better, but it's at least at least giving you more positional versatility, um, and it's giving you maybe a little bit more of what you need as far as um, both defensively and I mean, don't get me wrong, Bazemore is not a great shooter. I think last year him shooting 39% from three is is kind of an anomaly. Um, I, like that's by far the best season he's ever had from three in this season hasn't come close to that. Um, but he's still a much better shooter than Evan Turner. Um, so I don't know. I feel like that could be a win-win situation um, for, for both teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's tough to make trades though. You know, I mean, here's the thing with Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, uh, and Myers Leonard all becoming expiring contracts next year. That makes it easier to to move money around. People, the teams are much more willing to trade for expiring contracts um, 
you know, than, than uh, you know, something they have to commit to for two or three years. Um, so maybe that helps. Maybe that puts them in a position to where they can make some kind of move, um, you know, to just to kind of have, you know, almost like a last-ditch effort um, before Dame and CJ go into their final years, uh, you know, on, on, you know, on the books. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think that could make a lot of sense. Um, you know, that, that they, where they haven't been willing to pull risks like that, um, maybe they will as those contracts, um, you know, get, get closer to the end, um, you know, of the agreement. So, but yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of things for them to figure out this off season. And we'll talk about that ad nauseum when we get there. Um, but let's, uh, let's jump uh, ahead uh, to the NCAA tournament. Uh, I just want to keep this kind of broad. Um, like, I don't want to go on any big spiel here. I'm sure the majority of our listeners watch the games or highlights or whatever. Um, and if they didn't, they probably don't care about them because they're NBA guys. Um, but just, you know, a takeaway or two um, that you had from, you know, the first couple rounds uh, of the NCAA tournament. Uh, I'll go with you first on this one, Luke. Oh, no, I mean, it was very interesting. I mean, I love the play. Um, I kind of take out, uh, besides of, like, um, committed to a team, I think some team play, I kind of want to focus in on some guys that I'm going to be, like, looking on lower in the draft. Kids that, like, can maybe be something on this because this draft, like you, uh, me and you talked about, it's not as highly, you know, thought as as previous drafts and before. So I was trying to, you know, just take some, like, you know, bits and pieces out of it and, like, who's who and all that. And, I don't know, I saw some guys that could definitely help some teams later on in the draft. I mean, Washington, that Thevis guy, um, I can't think of his first name, but um, I think it's Thibis. Matisse Thibault? Yeah, Matisse Thibault. Uh, I had heard Dude, of his name previously that, like, yeah, like some people were talking about, like, yeah, he can be a guy that comes into a team, like, right now, you know, be your 3-D guy who's just uh, the Pac-12 defensive player of the year. So, I was like, you know, I'm going to really, like, I, I'd seen him play one game, but he didn't really stand out in my mind. I've watched and I've watched this year. So, I was like, I'm going to, you know, keep an eye on them. And he really played good this fir- that first game. I mean, nothing spectacular. His numbers weren't crazy, but – he shot 50% from three. I mean, I only think he had, like, mm-hmm. 11 points. But, I mean, it's still, like, he he kind of did everything right. And he was pretty good at D. I mean, the second game, Washington got, you know, beat down and all that. But I was just still, like, still surprised. And, you know, I, I do consider him being, like, he could – not a steal, but a very solid player for a good playoff team, you know, a later uh, drafting team that's, like, you know, you're not going to get yeah. these guys with the high upside and all that. So, that was one – Another one was um, the Taco Carlton-Zion matchup. I loved it. Um, felt bad that he kept uh, running into uh, fouls. But um, it made me think uh, seven-footers like that, uh, you know, in today's game, do they work? Does he Can he pan out? He's a senior. So do you think anyone, you know, drafts him? I mean, the first game he has five blocks and all that. Really has a good game for UCF, so it's, I was just thinking, I mean, I don't know if he really fits in today's game, but he's just so big. It was just so fun to kind of, like, watch a guy that was just also as unstoppable to stop when he's down low as Zion. So it was just, like, kind of interesting watching that, that matchup. And I was fully – Yeah, you get him the ball in the paint. <laughs> like, it's, it's going just in dunks. the bucket. <laughs> yeah, just turn yeah, around. I mean, he, could just like, he didn't even have to do anything. He didn't practically jump. 
yeah, so th- that those were like the big thing. And then there were some some guys that I was just like, all right, time to you know see if you can improve your your stock of what it has been. I mean, just got to say, quick little thing for my my Kentucky guy, Cullen Johnson, man. You know, he's really I, I think he's get, I mean, Hell, he hasn't yeah. really fell off, but I think he's coming back into like the the top ten. I mean, he he's definitely showing, and I mean without P.J. Washington being there. So that's even more, like, pressure for Kentucky. And I really think he, like, you know, helped ship. He's been doing it all year. So there's some of those I guys. I just wish those, Higgins like, would get in the ball more, though, man. Like, yeah. I don't want Higgins shooting any more fucking threes this whole damn tournament. <laughs> like, if, if Oh, trust he, me, you're if, not the only one. <laughs> like, dude, if, if he's, like, dribbling out the clock, uh, you know, and credit credit Wofford's defense in that game. But, man, he, he hurled up a couple late shot clock threes that I'm just like, oh, fuck, why? <laughs> like, um, and, you know, like, I, I I don't know exactly how many shots Johnson got in that second game. I know it wasn't as many as the first game because he dominated in that first one. Um, but, like, I, I don't think he quite got enough shots. And it doesn't, it doesn't worry me. Um, like, a, a lot of people talk about, like, um, passiveness or um, a, a lack of aggression uh, to, you know, want to be the guy and to want to score. Like, that kind of stuff doesn't worry me um, uh, as much as disinterest. Um, and he doesn't seem disinterested. Um, I mean, when, when they call that fourth foul on him, like, you could tell he was fucking interested. Um, so, like, he, he doesn't strike me as, like, an Andrew Wiggins type who's just, like – coasting and not paying attention and, you know, uh, just doesn't seem all that interested in, in getting better. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I, I like that shutout because, I mean, you know I've been high on him all season. He's dropped a, dropped a little bit on my board. I think I had him at seventh still when I actually sat down and did my big board, uh, my most recent one, the volume three. Um Maybe eight. I can't remember exactly. Um, but he's still up there, man. I mean, he's got the right build. Um, he shoots really well. He's a good shooter. Um, and that's, you know, something that, you know, all teams need and all teams want. And, I mean, you don't have to be any kind of genius to, to figure that out. I mean, you can literally just pull up his fucking stats. Um, you know, he, he's just a very um, – seems to be, uh, you know, based on his stats, a very reliable shooter. Um, and you couple that with – you know, his, his build and his frame. He's got all the intangibles for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, I just love it. Then one more quick thing. I don't want to keep on feeling like a lot of the topics because I know there's probably some things, that, <laughs> but um, another player that I'm interested in if he could be drafted and what he can do in the league is Fletcher McGee. I mean, he sets the NCAA <laughs> record for the most threes. Do you think he can pan out? Not, not going to be a JJ Reddick, but, do you think he's going to pan out and maybe make the league or is he going to flake away and be a Jimmer Fredette that, you know, never does anything? I mean, had a terrible yeah. game against Kentucky, but it definitely interested me. I mean, a guy that sets the NCAA record and threes and the way the game is going with you want three-point shooting, I mean, he doesn't – I don't really see any more upsides than that, but, I mean, does he have a shot in the NBA? Uh, I doubt it. Um. I mean, you never discount someone who broke that kind of record, um, but you have to look at the context surrounding it all, um, who he's playing against, what he's done when he's played against, quote-unquote, elite teams, or just, like, you know, 
not even elite teams, but just, you know, um, like decent, like good teams, uh, athletic teams. Um, and he has not done well when he's played against athletic teams. I think, it, you know, obviously we saw the Kentucky game. I think he had two or three other games uh, this season where he played against, I think, I think Wofford played Florida State at some point. Um, and a couple other games, um, and and he did not fare well in any of those games either. Um, if you can't fare, and and now again, all about context. You know, a lot of the rest of his team doesn't have the athleticism of the other teams. Um, so you know, you would expect him to have trouble creating his own shot. Um, and you know, what is he? I think he's six four. Um, so like maybe he could be, you know, a, a, a shooting guard, um, off the bench in the league. You're not necessarily looking for him to handle the ball like you wanted Jimmer to do. Um, so, you know, that maybe helps him a little bit, but I don't see it. I, I, I don't see him. I just don't see him having the athleticism that you need to be good in this this league and I mean that's the thing that's very underrated about players like J.J. Redick and Kyle Korver when he was um you know uh, obviously in his prime um he you know he, they they just they had very good athleticism um you know for white guys <laughs> I mean we'll just be honest here <laughs> and like I don't see that from this kid unfortunately um, now, I mean, I could be wrong. Um, I kind of feel the same way about Taco, man. Um, I don't see him panning out to be um, in the league. It, it, it's just very rare nowadays that a guy of that size um, ends up making any kind of impact. Um, the, the clearest you know, picture of that right now is obviously Boban. Um, but, I mean, we see like Boban's um, incredibly efficient um, but he can only stay on the floor for so long. Um, and he's got kind of – he's a lot fuller. He's got like a lot fuller build um, than than a lot of these other guys that don't pan out. Um, I think they're interesting. I would definitely like to see them um, – I don't think either one will get drafted. I'll definitely look forward to seeing what summer league teams they end up on because we know I, I would be – damn sure willing to bet they'll end up on a summer league team. And if they end up on a summer league team and they show out a little bit, like that could mean, you know, a two-way contract or at the very least, the, you know, some, some run in the G League. And then who knows? You know, I mean, there's always – there's two or three players in every draft that everybody overlooks. I mean, look at Lonzo Trier. Um, everybody overlooked him. And, you know, he's fucking been great this season. Um, so – yeah, we'll see. We'll see with those guys. I really do like Matisse Thybul, though. I think he'll be. Um, I think he could go even late first round, um, as you were kind of insinuating, Luke. Um, I would love it. He falls to the early um, second round, and the Sixers get him because um, I think he would be like kind of a perfect fit for them. Um, just you know, somebody who can come off the bench and actually play some fucking defense. And, you know, he's not a great shooter or anything, um, but they can work with him on that. Um, probably, probably won't bring in Drew Hanlon this time. Um, but, you know, they, they could try to work in-house with him on it. 
Um, but just having somebody who can play some defense, um, you know, hopefully they get Zaire Smith back and he can provide that. Um, but, you know, you, you can never have too many wings, and I think he would be um, would be a good a good pickup for them. Um, you know, I, I think uh, he'd also be a good pickup for your Celtics, man. I don't know if they'd be willing to take him at 22. Um, that may be a little too early. But, like, I mean, you, you couple like a, a a basically have a have a bench of Marcus Smart and Matisse Thibel, uh like guarding the second units and you know sometimes even the starting units. Like, ain't nobody gonna fucking score against that backcourt defense. So I mean, that would just be fun to watch. Like that would be night in night night in night out basis. Like just fun defense to watch. I mean, I already get such joy out of watching Marcus Smart play defense. If you put Dival next to him, man, like that would just be uh, – that would be a fucking shit show. That would be so much fun. Um, but uh, let's, let's, uh, let's wind it back in here. Um, Jawan, I'm going to go to you here. Uh, what, what's uh, – you know, if you, want, if you got one big takeaway or, or a couple, um, just, you know, your takeaways from the NCAA tournament so far. Um, it's exciting. Um, I, you guys know I'm not huge on college basketball, not because I don't think it's good or anything. Uh, it's, it's way too much to keep up with. Um, it's just way too much. Um, but yeah, no, you guys know I've been watching Zion very, very closely. Um, and, and that game was, was scary. Uh, definitely was scary. I, I don't really get, I mean, I see a lot of people joking that, um, you know, uh, College college basketball was well the NC double uh, A wasn't gonna let Duke lose. I was kind of just like, no, I think you guys are like exaggerating a bit. And then I saw like that last play where Zion got the and one, and I was kind of like, that might have been an offensive foul, <laughs> but it's like <laughs> it's, it's the equivalent to um to playoff basketball. Like when you're a star, you yeah. get the benefit of the doubt. So, I mean, Very you know, I, I get that. I, I do get that. And we see it a lot in the NBA. So, I mean, we can't look at it and go, oh, well, the fix is in. No, that's just how they officiate playoff basketball. Um, and we're in the, you know, <clears throat> the full ride of, of playoff basketball for, for college. So, but, yeah, I, if I'm being fair, that was an offensive foul. Like, if I'm just being completely sure. fair and non-biased. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I've – been listening to like a bunch of people saying like is this, did they give the blueprint for how to beat Duke and stuff like that and it's just one of those things where it's like if Zion struggles yeah it's easy to beat Duke <laughs> so it's like <laughs> we saw what they did yeah, that team when, pretty um, much when he wasn't there by Zion. right and to me it's like you saying that doesn't you know mean more or less for, for that team I mean we we saw Cleveland a lot of the years with LeBron. Even when Kyrie and Kevin Love were there, we were kind of looking at that thing like, no, they kind of live and die by LeBron. Like if LeBron like couldn't play four games or if LeBron just couldn't buy a shot, it's going to take a lot from Kyrie and Kevin Love um, to pull that team through the, the playoffs or whatever. So to me, I think people are, are, are exaggerating on the sense of, like, did you see how Duke kind of struggled? And is there, like, a blueprint to beat him? Well, yeah, make Zion uncomfortable. But it, it's easier said than done. The guy's built uh, at, at, like, 19 the way LeBron's built at 33. 
So it's like, yeah, sure, go ahead and try to stop Zion, and you let me know how that how that pans out for you. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say I am enjoying college basketball a lot more now that I'm doing the show with you guys, and like it, it's good to pay attention to it um, than ever before. <laughs> because before I would just be like, oh, whoever the final two teams are, that's all I'm watching. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, I think it's funny that. Uh, you know, essentially, we're like, yeah, you know, if you can, if you can limit Zion, if you can, like, if you, if you can, like, make him have to work really hard to get his buckets, you know, obviously that's that's gonna, you know, help you beat Duke. And and by like limit Zion or Zion not having like a great game, we mean like he shot fifty percent from the field, three of seven from three, five of seven from the stripe. Had 11 rebounds, 32 points, and only three turnovers <laughs> with four assists and a steal. <laughs> like, like he's still fucking balling, dude. Like, the, the man is just – he's incredible. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If you can make him uncomfortable, though, um, and, and make those other guys feel like they got to step up to do stuff. Uh, I will give Reddish uh, a little bit of shine here. Um, he only attempted eight shots, but he was five of eight. Um, obviously, Barrett had, like, kind of the play of the game. Um, and, and he wasn't, like, terribly inefficient either. Um, in fact, the team wasn't terribly inefficient. I mean, 44.8% from the field, that's not terrible. It's not good or great, but it's not terrible. Um, and, uh, I mean, honestly, Trey Jones, you know, was the, the, the most inefficient player uh, in the game. Um, one of eight from three, and just like Ashton Higgins, I don't want Trey Jones shooting threes if I'm Coach K. Like, that's not his game. He's not a good three-point shooter. Um, definitely don't want him attempting eight of them. Uh, like, give those shots to, to anybody else. Um, but the, the, the sad truth of the matter is, um, th- like, this team actually, like, outperformed uh, in some respects than, you know, what they're generally usually capable of. Um, R.J. Barrett going two of three from three-point range. Uh, Reddish going three of four from three-point range. They've been wildly inconsistent all year. Um, both of those are guys are hovering in the low 30s as far as their um, three-point percentage for the season. Um, so Duke is really fucking lucky. Um, like, lucky that a lot of these shots ended up falling. Um, lucky that some of the night shots didn't end up falling. Um, lucky that, you know, a couple of the calls, you know, went their way. Um, as it pertains to the fix being in or any of that, I always kind of just roll my eyes at any of that. Um, just simply because it's something – it's like it's like when someone's like, you know, um, uh, tries to tell you their religion is the only true, like, religion, or, you know, an atheist tries to be like, well, you know, there is no God. It's like it's the same way I feel like when people are like, well, you know, it's like it's all rigged. It's like you have no fucking proof of that. Like you can't. Like, <laughs> so like I could sit here and be like, uh, yes, I agree with you or yes, I disagree with you. But it's all a moot point. There's no reason for us to even fucking discuss it because there's no proof to be had. So, you know, I, I just I, I just kind of roll my eyes at it. Um, and, you know, what? if you look at a game, there was a couple plays um in uh, I want to say it was maybe the Kentucky game, uh, either the Kentucky game or the Tennessee game. I can't remember, but there was like a, a string 
where one of those two teams, Kentucky or Tennessee, was like picked, like had three calls go against them in a row. And I'm like, motherfucker, the fix is in or some shit like that. Um, just jokingly, not actually meaning it. And then, like, right after that, they, whichever team it was, we'll just say Tennessee, I think it was Tennessee, had, like, two calls that, like, should have gone the other way, go their way. And I was like, oh, okay, it, was, oh, you know, it usually balances out. And that's how everything is. Like, it, generally speaking, usually balances out. It's very rare that you get, you know, a situation where it doesn't um, because it's just – But I mean, <laughs> the refs are human too, so – um, what what, what I always find funny about the, the idea of the fix being in for college basketball is, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, isn't the whole fun of college basketball the idea of a Cinderella story, the idea of right. the, the big-name teams being knocked off for the team that yeah, nobody yeah. really saw coming being the one that wins? Yep. So it's like if you're the NCAA, wouldn't you want Duke to have lost? Because that's the biggest – that's the more interest. Like people then go – well, if all the the big name favorites are out, I want to see the who who of the little guys can win it. I think you would prefer Duke to have. I think this is the perfect scenario, honestly. I think you would prefer Duke to have almost lost, and so that can be your narrative um, if you're the NCAA because Duke ultimately is still the most followed team. Um, and if you just bust 75% of people's brackets now, um, maybe people aren't as interested in, as, as, you know, in watching. Um, but here's the thing, like for, for that to be a thing, um, then it would basically have to be like the NCAA would have to be paying off these refs. Um, you know, and it's not like the same refs refs the, the Duke game, you know, that every time. So they'd have to be paying off these refs and like, paying them extra side money to make sure Duke wins. Like, you know, we want it to be like competitive, like close game, but let's make sure they win. Like there's very little way that you can guarantee that. The only way you can like have a surefire fix um, is if you're like essentially uh, either like on the team throwing games, or if you're a guy like uh, Tim Donahue and you know, you're, basically studying up to be able to keep games in a structure of, you know, how you want them to go. Um, but even still, like, that's really fucking difficult. It, it, it's, it, it's more – the simplest answer, answer is usually the true answer, and to me, I, I just don't buy into stuff like that. I just don't – I don't give it a lot of credence. Um, but, you know – People are going to think what people want to think. You know, it's nothing you can do about that. Um, as far as my takeaways, um, I, I I'm going to go kind of hot takey here. I think Jarrett Culver is the third best prospect in this fucking class. Um, he he's looked really good. I've been following him all season. He's just kind of steadily rising up my draft board. Um, I. Don't get me wrong. I would still take R.J. Barrett, namely because, like, if you pass on him and then he becomes something fucking amazing, you get shot on. Um, so I don't think I would have the balls to take Culver over Barrett. But if I could take Barrett and then trade down to get Culver, I probably would do it, um, depending on, like, what asset I could get back. Um, I really like this kid. I would love to see him on the Hawks. I think he's going to be a top-four pick. Um, I definitely see him going, uh, you know, before any of those other 
um, next guys after those top three. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, call me crazy, but, like, Barrett's just been so wildly inconsistent. Um, and, you know, it would be the first time that we've seen, um, you know, a kid coming out of high school who was thought to be, you know, the best player coming in uh, to college essentially not be, um, you know. And obviously John Morant's also a sophomore um, and has pretty much locked up the number two spot, in my opinion, as far as maybe not number two overall pick, but as far as the number two prospect. Um, Culver, um, he's kind of already done the done it for me, but I think if he has – you know, a couple big games and gets this team to the final four or even the elite eight, um, you know, that could be huge, um, you know, as far as his draft stock. And I think he could do it. I got him going to the elite eight. We'll see if they can, you know, can prove me right there. Um, but man, this kid really fucking good. Uh, Matisse Thibel was another one of mine, um, but we've already pretty much touched on that. Um, uh, you know, with, with Luke's, um, Honestly, the the other sort of, I guess, kind of big takeaway for me would be Grant Williams um, and, and Admiral Schofield, the guys at Tennessee. Um, they're such an interesting pair because, you know, if you watch the, the, um, the most recent game that they played, uh, essentially Schofield dominated the first half and then – and then um, Williams dominated the second half. Uh, Schofield just kind of went cold and got into some foul trouble, eventually fouled out. Um, Grant Williams, man, this kid, I would be surprised if he slips out of the top 20 at this point. Um, I, I don't see him going really much higher than that, I feel like, but I feel like he solidified that pick. He and – I think it's going to be interesting because he and uh, Luke's PJ – are so similar um, in, in their playing style and, and, you know, their fit and, and everything else. Um, those two guys, it's going to be interesting to see those two in the NBA and, you know, how they sort of pan out. And if there's anything that we can look back on once we have four or five years of them um, to see, because right now I got those two guys like neck and neck um, and, uh I think it'll be interesting to see those two guys and if we can decipher anything a few years from now to figure out, well, what did I miss here? Why is this player way better than this one? Or do they just end up being about the same? Um, And where do they stack with everybody else? I'll be really interested to see this um, and how it all plays out. But Grant Williams, man, going down the stretch of that game into overtime – his team needing him to step up big, and fuck, did he ever. Um, like, dude, he just went to town in the in the overtime period um, and was basically just willed his team to victory. Um, that was a very, very uh, clutch performance by Grant Williams uh, of Tennessee. Um, so, yeah, those are, those are kind of my, my standout things at the moment. Um, I do want to give a quick shout-out to um, those kids over at Oregon um, and the kids over at Auburn. Um, you know, a couple a couple teams that I, I did fortunately pick and they – well, that I picked and fortunately enough for me that they, um, you know, panned out uh, to make the Sweet 16. Um, kind of been, you know, overlooked by a lot. I think probably more people had Auburn going. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, both those teams, those those are probably the two hottest teams right now. Both won their uh, conference championships. Um, came into the tournament very hot, you know, very hyped. Um, not hyped by you know the outside, but hyped themselves. And man, they've both come to play. Um, that, that kid, uh, uh, Okiki or Okeki, uh, for Auburn, he looks like he's going to be an interesting prospect. I don't know if he's going to come out this year. Um, he may, you know, stay another year. Um, but I think he'll be, um, you know, an early second round to mid second round pick. Um, if he does opt to come out, uh, and I think he could be a really good player. Um, a couple guys over at on Oregon King, uh, I think he should stay. Um, I, 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 I think it'd be a mistake for him to leave now. Um, and I like this Wooten kid. I, you know, I, I had him on my board earlier this season, and then he kind of got a little rusty throughout the year. Um, but he's playing very well at the right time. Um, I think when I go back and kind of revisit uh, at my post um, Final Four. Uh, uh, volume four of my board, uh, I'm going to have to put him back up there because he's, he's been impressive um, throughout this run for them. Uh, and they seem to kind of, like, you know, kind of finally figured it out. So um, shout out to those guys as well. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. Um, so, you know, I had to bring this up, guys, because, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> why wouldn't I? Um, so after a buzzer beater finish against the Philadelphia 76ers. Trey Young got a few shout-outs uh, for Rookie of the Year from Donovan Mitchell, Kyle Kuzma, and Blake Griffin. Um, we've talked about it a little bit um, here and there. Pretty much every opportunity, uh, you know, I get to throw it on the show. I try to. <laughs> um, but, hey, I also try to throw out, you know, that, that New York stuff, uh, you know, for, for uh, you and Joel Juwan. And I do actually try to throw in some good Boston stuff for Luke, but he's never on when we when we end up talking about it. Um, uh, good but, Boston um, stuff. Do you what mean now? every time we do good Boston stuff? You mean every time we do terrible, we're just playing like crap, and you want to talk about how shitty they are? That's not good Boston talk. Well, I talk about the good stuff too. I mean, they've just been know, really just dramatic this year. The lo- <laughs> the last couple of ones have just been very terrible Celtics play talk, and I can't shed any more yeah. tears or words on them. <laughs> I hear you. Um, my condolences. Um, but not really. <laughs> like, I mean, you you do have the Red Sox and the Patriots, so I'm not going to feel that bad for you, bro. <laughs> like, so let's just be real. Um, but uh, Trey Young, man, well – I don't want to make this like a rookie of the year conversation per se, um, because we're going to have our um, end of the season awards coming out very shortly. We've got about no more than 10 games left in the season, if that. Um, so we're going to, we're going to have plenty of time to discuss that. Um, but uh, what, what is your takeaway from, um, I mean, and we've discussed his play down the stretch. We can all agree. He's been fucking terrific uh, for the last several months, but what are your takeaway from, like these sort of other, you know, you know, maybe one star player and then two up-and-coming uh, potential star players, um, you know, giving some shout-outs and uh, essentially, like, 
from their point of view saying, yeah, I mean, this, this kid, like, this kid's fucking great. Uh, particularly, I mean, Donovan Mitchell just got through playing against him um, the night before he uh, hit the buzzer beater uh, to, to beat Ben Simmons. Uh, so it's like, you know, essentially, or I say Ben Simmons, but the reason I say that is, uh, you know, Trey Young uh, in two nights just beat the second place rookie of the year from last year and the first place rookie of the year from last year, two nights in a row, beat their respective team. Um, and, you know, then you get Donovan Mitchell basically coming out and being like, dude, I just played against this cat. I mean, you just saw it. Like, he's rookie of the year. Uh, and then, of course, you get Kuzma who, who chimes in and then Blake who chimes in. Um, but, what you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, these players kind of stumping uh, for Trey Young, Juwan? Um, I mean, you know, it's uh, – I was listening to the jump, and according to Rachel Nichols, um, those guys are close. Um, so I, it, it makes sense, but it's not one of those um, just lobbying for your guys. Um, he has a, a good case for rookie of the year. I personally – Excuse me. Um, still give the edge to Luca for full body of mm-hmm. work. Um, but yeah, Trey. Trey did. Trey right now is changing the narrative. The narrative no longer is. You oh, the narrative's done been changed, bro. Oh no, no, right, right, right. But I'm saying through <laughs> through since the All Star game, his level of play. It, it's no more of man. You pass up on Luca. It's now. Yeah. Either way, you got a really, really, really good player. Um, I, I think at, at most, um, I, I think they'll both be all-stars. I'll say that. Uh, Trey Young, especially being in the East, where there's like maybe three like elite point guards in the East, um, you're definitely going to be an all-star over there. That, that's 100%. Um, and Luka Doncic, it's just like you now got Chris stops and Dirk might come back. So it's like you got Hardaway there. Like you got a nice team over there. Um, to help you grow into the legend that I think Luca is gonna is gonna become, um, but yeah, Trey Young's play has been just insane. Like I, I, I'm glad we got out of the comparing him to Steph Curry, and it's now just evaluating Trey Young for being Trey right. Young. Um, yes. He's he's elevated the Atlanta Hawks to to um, exciting basketball. Like I, I find myself trying to see when's the next time the Hawks play. Um, and I haven't felt that since the, the Joe Johnson years. Uh, not Joe Johnson. Yeah. Josh, yeah, Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, um, Al Horford yeah. um, years, where I was just like, I, I, I have to watch these Hawk games. Like, it's so much fun. Um, that's what he's done. And you, you got to just commend him for not hitting. Well, it's funny because he hit the rookie wall early. Usually rookies start right. really hot, then hit it. Um, he flipped it, <laughs> which if you're a Hawks fan, because <laughs> yeah. now it kind of feels like you don't have to worry about that slide going into next year. He got all of it out of it. Right. Um, so, I mean, hopefully, I honestly think you got Luca and you got Trey, who are both going to become um, these all-star elite players in their respective conferences. Um, and like I said, I'm just glad the narrative has changed to where people aren't now saying, like, you're going to regret not just keeping Luca. Now it's yeah, sure. I'm kinda glad we got the guy that we got. Like he's perfect for our team. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, and we'll talk about this in a minute when we really kind of dissect this trade. Um but yeah, I mean that that certainly kind of was the narrative. It, it I mean, y'all know I I mean I felt that way. Um you know when when the trade went down, uh, you know, I was like, why? Like I don't think this is a good idea. 
um, it, you know, it kind of seems like we're, you know, just trying to, you know, make make a like kind of rebuild the Warriors um, roster, and you know, that's that doesn't seem like a great idea. It's like lightning in a bottle. Like, do you really is that really what you're trying to do here? Um, and you know, the the more I've had time to process it and and look at Trey's play, and of course Herder's play, and um, Collins' jump. Um, it, it, the picture starts to unfold in a slightly different manner than, oh, we're just trying to recreate the Warriors. Um, so, but yeah, uh, that, it, it is good that we're getting away from it, both narratives. The the narrative that um, the Hawks made some sort of um, franchise-altering mistake by making that deal, and the other narrative um, of, you know, we we have to compare – uh, you know, Trey Young to Steph Curry because they're both, you know, these, these smaller uh, point guards who can drain 35-foot jump shots. Um, because, honestly, other than that, they're not a whole lot alike. I mean, Steph is not the passer that, that Trey is. Um, like they, and particularly wasn't, you know, at, at such a young point in his career. Steph has always kind of, well, at least since they've been good, Steph has always kind of played off ball and is way fucking better at playing off ball than Trey is. Um, to running around screens and all that kind of stuff, that's not Trey's game, that's Steph's game. Um, so other than just being these undersized guards that can hit 35-footers, their games are not really that similar. Um, they, like, they both, yeah, they also both have, have a point. pretty good handles. Yeah, no, they do. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, you, you could certainly throw that in there too. Um, but I mean more of how they approach the game. Um, it's just they're they're not they're very different. Um, and you know I think I think the fact that we've seen Trace playmaking and the fact that we you know for you know any sort of basketball more than novice but particularly like aficionados um, like we know how Steph approaches the game and and how that team operates and it's 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 just very different um from the way that Trey does um you know obviously Draymond uh is a big part of um manufacturing points on that offense um probably you know I would argue a bigger part than what Steph actually is um Steph is is more there he kind of acts as a shooting guard um they just you know they they put the right pieces together um, to make that team, and that's not what we're doing here in Atlanta. Like it's, Trey is going to be the person that manufactures uh, the points on this offense, and as soon as we can get, um, you know, more talent around him, um, you know, the the easier that's going to be. Um, so yeah, uh, but anyway, uh, I do I do want to I'm not going to talk about this like really, but I, I I'm, I'm going to. We'll call this a teaser for um, the argument that I will put forth on behalf of Trey uh, for Rookie of the Year. And I'm going to put forth this argument whether I end up picking him or not. I still haven't decided. Um, I'm I'm taking this down to the wire um, because it is that close to me. Um, But this narrative that uh, that Rookie of the Year is that it's Rookie of the Year, not Rookie of the second half of the season. Um, It's also not Rookie of the first half of the season. Um, and Luke has been playing like shit recently. He, for the month of March, he's shooting uh, 62% from the free throw stripe, 24% from three, 
and like 39% from the field, I think. Um, like that's bad. Uh, and so like people don't point that out. Like they just, I, I very rarely hear um, anybody bring that up. Uh, and, and so everybody wants to talk about what a terrible November Trey had. And it's like, yeah, I, I mean, I get that. But you can't say, well, it's a whole season award, and then just act like Luca didn't have a shit, shitty fucking March. And furthermore, you can't bring up, well, you know, after they made that Porzingis trade, he didn't have as good a team around him. Well, Trey hasn't had as good a team around him all fucking season. So, well, like, that, that, that argument doesn't really help your cause either. Um, so I'm, like, throwing in a lot of these different um, – a lot of these different uh, things, um, you know, in making my decision. Um, but, I, hey, right now they're locked, like, head-to-head in field goal percentage and three-point percentage and true shooting percentage. Um, like, they're they're locked up there. Like, everything's, like, super, t- super tight. Like, I think Trey's got a little bit of a heads-up in him in three-point percentage. Luke has a little bit more of a heads-up in field goal percentage. Um, Luca's got a slight edge in true shooting, um, but everything's super fucking close. Trey's got like a big lead on him uh, as far as free throw percentage and assists, but Luca's got the rebounds. So like, it's it's gonna come down to the wire for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to see how everything shakes out throughout the whole season, um, and and you know see how this year finishes out before I can even come up with anything. Um, Luke, though, what what were your thoughts? Uh, I guess on anything that you know we've thrown out here, but specifically, um, you know these these uh, three dudes uh, sort of um, vouching or uh, or st- uh, you know um, stumping for for Trey, if you will. I know. I mean, it's great that you know he's gotten some NBA rep, but regardless of these NBA players, what they have, you you know, I've been preaching this guys, and I've definitely been preaching it later. I'm running with this. We cannot Lamar Jackson, Trey Young. I mean, you just said it, Nick. Who cares that he had a terrible November? He's had a great after that. He's going to end the season way better than what Luke is playing at right now. And you didn't, you didn't touch on this yet, but Trey Young got player of the week. This isn't rookie of the week. Right. This is player of the week in the East. That's everyone in the East. He played better than and all that. No rookie has done that. I mean, I, I was trying to look it up. Uh, I was looking on Atlanta radio, so I'm going off of some of, like, you know, Atlanta bias, but they said no rookie's done that, like, ever. So that's a big, like, accomplishment. Wow. I mean, you just showed a lot of people. So you got to hold that, like, accountable. I mean, Luca, like you said, he's been not playing that great. I mean, yeah, you can blame it on the team's not that great, but like you said, Trey's had ran into that play. I mean, in November, you can look at John Collins is coming back from, I don't know if he he comes back in the middle of November. He's out. Or he just all of back November. from his yeah, all of November. So he's coming up that they lost. Uh, Hitter's not playing with what he's uh, done. So a lot more, but Jung's done a lot. I mean, I really think, like you're saying, it's going to come down the wire. I'm still kind of slightly on the Luca thing, but I want to like, I don't know, man. I just feel like it's not like last year's race where it's like, can this be two people splitting it? I do feel like there should be a definitive winner, but. I do feel like people are just holding the fact that Luca just came out right out of the gate, just like just like wowing everyone. And Trey's had to take some time and all that because if you really looked at it, I mean, 
that that end of the play, I mean, that drawn up play against the Sixers, that's a really like great play. I mean, Lucas had some, he's had that yeah. in his thing too, but that's that's a ballsy like go down with your floater. I mean, that's not something that we knew. Or one of the game. best I mean, defenders was, in the league. Yeah, and I mean, just he, straight he up just, just put it like, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm still on the whole. I'm running my hashtag. Don't Lamar Jackson this guy. But hopefully the writers are starting to come around and all that because it doesn't come down to – that's the bad thing about these awards. It doesn't come down to players and coaches and all that who can be sensible all that. It comes down to writers, and I'm just hoping it's not like a writer's block and all that, and they're just, like, going to be biased and just kind of, like, mail this one in. They've mailed it in since January. That They really take a look at it right. and look at this body of work. And really, like, see, like, you can go, if you want to even go small run sample size, I'd rather take the, the small run sample size, like the five game that Young had at the 30 points, than a good five, uh, like, best five game run that Lucas had. Because I'm pretty sure Lucas sure. hasn't had that over a good five games. So there's a lot of things, like, don't get me wrong, Lucas great. He's going to be great for the oh, whole yeah. rest of his, like, career and all that. And Young will be too, but I do think that, we should just be paying more attention that this race is in a clear runaway and coming down to these last couple of games. I mean, like you said, they just beat two playoff teams that are contending, like that are like really right. fighting for playoff season. The Hawks had no business winning and it's And it's, I mean, you know, other people too are playing well on the Hawks. It's like you said, you, you kind of hinted into it earlier when you're giving some shout outs to other players in the Collins and, and the Heaters and, you know, everything's working out for you guys, but it's just, I don't know, Young is just, I don't know, he's really just impressive in his passing and just he's just gotten better as a player, and I just don't want to hold his n- terrible November against him because his numbers aren't that bad, and especially if you take out that month, his, num- his numbers are really good. Yeah, and, and also another thing with that Philly game, um, Trey looked good defensively. Um, they had him play Redick which means he had to chase Reddick's ass around that whole game. <laughs> or not the whole game, but for, for extended periods of play, he was guarding J.J., which means you got to fight uh, through and under and over, you know, multiple screens and all that kind of shit. Um, and it's interesting because actually um, Brian Windhorst mentioned that he had talked to Trey, and they essentially told him that he was going to be guarding Reddick, which obviously makes sense, I mean, as far as his, his height is concerned. But it's, it, it was – uh, essentially a challenge um, for him, uh, and, and that's what he what he told Windhorse was, it, you know, it was a challenge for me. I mean, it's, you know, people talk about how the league's not physical anymore. Well, yeah, you try to chase J.J. Redick through all of these fucking bodies um, and tell me the league's not fucking physical. Like, it's pretty physical when you're trying to chase around one of the best, you know, guys to get around screens and hit threes. Um, and he did pretty fucking well. He did a pretty good job on him. Uh, and you know, so I think, um, he's never going to be a great defender. He's probably never even going to be a good defender, but I like that he took that challenge upon him and was like, sure, I'll fucking, if that's what the team wants me to do, needs me to do, I'll try to chase JJ Reddick's ass around. And he did a pretty good job. Like I, I like there, there were several plays. I think he, he had like a steal at one point. Where, I can't remember exactly. Um, but like, yeah, he, he definitely had a steal at one point. Where, um, or no, I think he, uh, it wasn't a steal. He, um, he, he, uh, Reddick caught the pass, uh, near the, um, near the, uh, side of the court and, and 
Trey kind of uh, reached in and, and uh, slapped the ball against him and it, and it hit off Reddick and went out of bounds. And, and you know, so, uh, you know, the Hawks got the turnover. Um, but, like, just little plays like that. And it's, it's, it's nice to see him giving, uh, giving the effort, putting forth the effort, um, which is, you know, something that we haven't seen all season. Um, I think the fact that his offensive game is starting to flow a little bit, um, it gives him, you know, a, a, probably a better ability to concentrate on defense. But, yeah, I mean, we're going to see how, you know, the, the tail end of the season plays out. But like I said, I mean, if you just take a fucking look at the stats, man, they're all pretty, they've all pretty much evened out. Um, and we still got, like, ten games left. So, I mean, they could look even more in Trey's favor um, at the actual end of the season. Um, I, I, I think I'm with you, Juwan and Luke. I'm still leaning Luca, um, but I, I just don't – I get frustrated by the narrative that it's either it's obviously Luca or people who decided it was Luca, like you said, uh, Luke, back in January – and then are just unwilling to even hear a discussion. Um, like, it, it was made a discussion, you know, over a month ago, like six weeks ago, um, and it's more than just a discussion now. Like, so um, people need to wise up because, like, my dude's fucking going off, and he needs some fucking uh, – needs, needs some respect on that name. Uh, and I'm glad that um, at least some of these NBA players are coming out and, uh, you know – Throwing that respect towards him. Um, I will say this, though. Just a quick side note. Um, uh, both Trey – I heard this earlier. Both Trey and um, uh, Donovan Mitchell are also with Adidas. Um, and um, Donovan Mitchell, I feel like just in general, like he was the guy who came on at the tail end of last season, and he was going against the guy who had played well – you know, throughout the entire season and, you know, the kind of bigger dude. Um, and he had to like, you know, kind of fight his way there, being the smaller, had to be craftier. There's a lot of parallels here, um, which I think could lean towards him, him like just kind of having a bias, if you will, towards Trey. Um, as far as Kuzma, I can't find any discernible bias there. I think he probably just, you know, He's probably just like, yeah, man, I agree. I had to play against him. He was fucking great. Um, I mean, he did. Uh, that was the game uh, that I think was almost the nail in the coffin for the Lakers was the game right before the, the um, all-star break where the Hawks beat the Lakers. Um, but uh, And Trey did have a very good game in that one. Um, but uh, also Blake Griffin, uh, Sooner, um, Sooner Nation there, so – a little bias there. So there may be some bias going on between two of these three guys is all I'm saying. Um, so, I, you know, I, I will like say, Nick. The, yeah. I will say when you get a chance, uh, if you go to ESPN.com and um, just type in Trey, Trey and Luca's name, they have something where you could mm-hmm. split it, where you could see, like, the points and stuff that they average October, November, December, January, yeah. February, March, pre-All-Star, post-All-Star. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at sure. it, and I'm kind of like, one of the positives for Luca. I get what you guys are saying. Like, he hasn't been that tremendous since the All-Star game. His numbers haven't drastically dropped either. It's kind of just been right there. 
Um, obviously, Trey has had way better numbers no, since the All Star game. Been his efficiency. His efficiency right, his has efficiency. been horrendous. Right. Right. But I think the issue we're gonna we're gonna face is like what Donovan came up against Finn last year was Finn was the overwhelming favorite, and then Donovan came on, and then it was just like, oh wait, Donovan not only is like balling, but he took this team to like the the playoffs, coming on hot. In the second half, people already had their mind made up, and then Ben just kept it consistent. Then Ben had that one huge game against LeBron towards the end of the season that really gave you that look at, like, yeah, it it, it looks like it might be Ben. So if Luka has one of those huge moments against Golden State and they play all their guys, um, you could see the same kind of thing. But I agree with you guys. I don't think it's like Luka, dot, 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 then Trey. They're right there, but I think you'll have the same situation you had last year um, to where it's like you have the overwhelming favorite, then the other guy comes on super hot that you can't ignore him, but then it's kind of like, yeah, but this guy I feel like has been doing it longer. So I I think that's where you're going to come up with. And it's one of those things where it's like Ben was more popular, Luca was more popular, Donovan then came on and took the shine, just like Trey is looking like he's doing. But it just looks like they're going to go with that overwhelming favorite guy that they had at the beginning of the year. Yeah, like, look, I've got no doubt in my mind that Luka will win Rookie of the Year. Um, I really don't. I think he will win it. I'm just saying, like, I, what I'm saying is whether he should or not. <laughs> and gotcha. I, I think I think there is – like, I'm, I'm talking about it as, as – for my personal pick. Um, and, you know, I'm still undecided. I got it, you know, like I said, I got it. I, I, and I even said, as of right now, I'm probably still leaning Luca. Um, you know, I, I, I'm obviously trying my best to, like, set my bias aside. Um, but, you know, I, I still think, I, I think that, that you know, there. You know, I've already kind of said it, but I, I do think that there is um, a, a, an unnecessary um, narrative that uh, you know Luca somehow had just been so so constant throughout the season. And while his points and, and rebounds and everything have, as of lately, his efficiency has just been. Terrible, and it, you can't argue his free throw percentage. His free throw percentage has been steadily going down all season, um, and Trey's has been steadily going up. Um, now I know it's only one aspect of the game, but you know we mentioned a lot of the other stuff. But hey, we'll have plenty of time to um, discuss that when we get into uh, you know the um, our end of the season uh, awards. Um, but anyway, um, I just want to. Try, try to do this relatively quickly. We'll probably only touch on the actual really big names here. Um, just try to review some of this season's trades um, and, and kind of the effect that they've had. Um, I feel like we've talked about Trey and Luca enough, um, so let's just skip that one. Kristaps um, going to um, the Mavs, not really a lot to assess there. The only thing that I will say is I do worry about how the fit is going to work with Luka. Um, I really like Luka playing the point forward position because they can essentially, um, you know, basically hide him on defense 
um, where you know when you have Luca, are you gonna or where you have KP six, are you gonna play him at center? I don't necessarily like that, mainly for his health, um, you know, going up against those big bodies in the paint. So that concerns me a little bit. Um, anything that you would want to add to uh, to that, uh, Juwan? Um, I think they'll be fine. Uh, and, and the reason why I think they'll be fine is KP was able to play successfully um, one next to Cantor, uh, and you kind of had to help defensively a lot. Um, and he played really well with Mello. So it's like if you could play really well with Carmelo, who is super ball dominant and plays no defense at all, like not even like a liability, like he doesn't even try to. Um, and if you can kind of somewhat match that, um, I think he'll be fine. And the idea of him playing center, um, it's kind of what New York was kind of getting him ready for, was to be a center. Um, so I wouldn't rush him back into being a, a five, but it is something I would let him know that it, it is in your future. You're going to be the five for this team because of how great you are defensively with your length and your ability to um, protect the rims. So, sure. I mean, if I'm if, if I'm the Mavs, I'm letting KP know that that is in your future. <laughs> yeah, and that brings me. I guess I'll, I'll, let me kind of follow this up because a lot of their I guess a lot of how good this team can be is going to depend on what they do this off season. They've got a max cap spot. Um, they've got a few decisions to make um, there, but after this off season, they're going to be pretty much locked up. They got to give um, KP that, that extension. Um, so thereafter, you're probably not looking at max money again. I think if I'm them, uh, I really want to fucking go after Jimmy Butler or maybe even Kimba Walker, but I'd rather go after Jimmy Butler because I want Luca to have the ball. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the best fit. I just think that I I don't want to go get a guy like Nikola Vucevic because um, I do. I think you're right. If you can get KP six healthy and to play that five spot, and you can hide Luca at the four, and then you can build your offense and defense around that, um, that makes the most sense to me. And I think Jimmy Butler, his versatility, basically being able to guard one through three um, and essentially play one through three um, offensively even, uh, I think that helps them out a lot. Um, I think they're kind of a sleeper team for Jimmy. Um, if If the Sixers don't give him a great offer, if I'm Jimmy Butler, I think I'd probably rather go play in Dallas than go to L.A. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I'm I'm completely with you. I mean, because we saw a bunch of these guys saying how much they um they were interested in playing with KP. Um, again, it could have been them playing with KP in the big city, but I think it's just KP in right. general. I mean, the guy's able to do so much, and he makes he makes playing basketball so much easier for guys. Um, because you have guys thinking twice about driving to the lane because of his ability to block the ball, alter the shot. Um, he's essentially Mitchell Robinson. If Mitchell Robinson had a bit of offensive ability, um, <laughs> it, it's just one of those things to where it's just like it makes things so much easier. You can fast break. Um, but I'm with you. If you can get Luke at the four, which I think he's fine playing one, two, three, four, um, and then KP to buy into being that five. Um, and then you could bring in a Jimmy Butler. I don't know if you'd 
still keep Tim Hardaway or not. Um, but figure out. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd two. have to. He's on the books. But like, no, yeah, I'm that's saying, what I'm I don't saying. know if like, you would then want to move him. Oh well, yeah. I don't know if you could. Um, but I, I mean, I think ultimately, right? I think I think you're operating under the assumption that he's going to be there. Um, so I mean, in, in my kind of thought process, it's let's get you know essentially let's do what the Sixers do with Ben Simmons, um, and you know essentially like we'll let Luca run the point, um, but then we'll just get like you know Hardaway and Jimmy, um, and then, you know, one other kind of wing player. You, you, you still got Courtney Lee. That that would actually probably be my starting lineup, honestly. Because um, yeah. you got, like, three kind of versatile um, guards, guard forward types um, to, you know, play on the wing. Um, then you got Luca distributing the ball. Um, and you got KP6 inside. Um, you're probably going to suffer a little bit on the boards. Um, but you know, I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy's a slouch on the boards. Um, he, he's not afraid nah, to get in there and body guys. Um, so I don't know. I think that could be interesting, uh, if they wanted to go that route, if they're willing to commit to four years of Butler. Um, but you know, the fact that they've traded so many of their assets away, I don't, I don't necessarily know if they have a better option at this point. You know what I mean? Like, and no, they need to get a free agent don't. this off season. I think Jimmy Butler might be their guy. I think they should really press hard for him. And as much as I don't want them to get Jimmy, because I think it's really no, good I with the East having some Jimmy. semblance, um, some semblance of stars. I'd rather some of these bigger names that are in the East stay in the East because it's so little. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Jimmy, if if you can get Jimmy over to Dallas, you then on paper. I mean, let me stress that on paper, you're looking at a powerhouse of a starting five. Um, over in Dallas. I, I mean, wouldn't go that Luka, far. Well, no, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. We know okay. what KP was pre-injury, right, where we were sure. talking all-star. Yes. KP was, was looking to be a star in this league. Um, yes. You got Jimmy, who's already a star. Yes. Um, you got Luca, who's a growing star. And then you have sure. a great role player in, in Hardaway who could be your J.J. Ray. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I, I'm not comparing him to J.J. I'm just saying the idea of a guy who can just catch and shoot if the guys are doubled, or someone who can create that good. He's not that efficient. I think Courtney Lee fits that bill more. Um, but which is not, fine. Which is fine. But to me, still. Tim Hardaway is a you guy got, who can you've got still guys who get can you fifteen to twenty on the wing. You've got guys who can shoot on the wing, and that's what every right. team wants. So, right, fair enough. So I think that big three in Dallas could easily make enough noise to work themselves in a position to get themselves to the Western Conference Finals. I would actually I would actually pick if that as Katie my dark leaves. Horse. Yes, yeah. if KD leaves. Yes, yes, yes. But I yeah. would I would put that um, as my dark horse and yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah. No, I mean it it'd be a very interesting lineup. I mean, and I, and I do think they still would have the money um to hang on to 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 hang on to the cap holds of Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleber. Um, so they could bring those guys back, um, you know, and, and just essentially roll with that lineup. They got Jalen Brunson to be their backup point guard. Um, and then you could, you know, like, use bet minimums on anybody else. Um, shit, might as well bring Dirk back another year if you're going to make a playoff run. Um, and, well, someone, you know. Um, someone said something that I thought was funny. Like, someone was saying how, um, 
like, everyone's assuming Dirk is retiring next year, but, like, Dirk never said it. So, like, just Mm-mm. because Wade's retiring, I think we're lumping Dirk into that. But I'm sure Dirk yeah, would I want think, a farewell I think Adam Silver, the same way as Wade. I think Adam Silver's as guilty of that as anybody. <laughs> he oh, was 100%. Like, well, 100%. Yeah, he was like, we'll, we'll, throw, we'll throw Dirk in there. And Dirk's like, I mean, okay, but, I mean, I'm not, I never said I was leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I had planned on playing again next year. Like that, that was really rude. Right. But yeah, I don't think this is. I think if you're dirt, you want exactly what Wade has, which is a farewell tour. And the best way to do yeah. it if you're dirt is knowing that KP is healthy, and that team has a shot yeah. at the playoffs. So playoffs is your last time playing Dallas Mavericks basketball. So unless, I think you, unless you have a Kobe F performance on the last game of the season, and then maybe you just fucking right off in the sunset with that. Yeah, but I think Kobe's retirement was because of the injury. So it was the thing of this oh, injury yeah. is really bad, so I'm, I have to retire. I don't think Dirk is there. <laughs> so if he does that, well, it would be a shock because I'll, he's never said he wanted to retire. To, yeah, uh, we need to move on. But I just real quick, I'll say this. Um, I think that Kobe – knew because of his injury he had lost a step, and Dirk's lost a step regardless of any injury. So I think that's the thing. Um, But, you know, hey, ultimately it's Dirk's decision, and you know what? Ultimately, if he wants to come back on a vet minimum, um, like Mark Cuban should let him come back as many years as he wants to on a vet minimum because he owes that man everything. Um, so like, like just it, as long as Dirk wants to be there, you leave an open roster spot for him. And if you ever don't do it, then fuck you, Mark Cuban. Um, but anyway, um, uh, let's, let's touch quickly. Uh, Kawhi, DeMar DeRozan. Um, I think in retrospect, I like the deal for both teams. I, I, I will say this, uh, because I was thinking about this the other day, and this is honestly kind of the real reason that I wanted to bring up this whole fucking topic. I'm going to be um, 100% honest here. I would so much prefer if the Spurs had traded for Drew Holiday. Um, Let me paint this picture for you. Um, They trade Kawhi to New Orleans um, for Drew Holiday and Nikola Miritich, and they throw in Danny Green. Um, so at that point, New Orleans would have um, uh, Danny Green, uh, or Alfred Payton, Danny Green, uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Anthony Davis, and Julius Randle as their starting five. That's the kind of move that could have maybe, you know, made Anthony Davis happy throughout the season, and you didn't get into all this fucking bullshit throughout the year. And if you're the Spurs, like, could you imagine them having a guy like Drew Holiday fucking guarding the wing? Um, like, DeRozan is fine. Like, he's a solid player. He ain't any kind of defensive threat. Um, Drew Holiday would, would be amazing on that team. Miritich hitting threes, Aldridge sliding Aldridge to the four. So you got, like, these two bigs who can, like, fucking hit threes. Uh, well, Miritich can hit threes. Aldridge can hit, you know, jump shots from three feet inside the three-point line. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think that would have been really interesting uh, in hindsight. Uh, I don't think the Spurs ultimately wanted to trade into a Western Conference team, and I think that probably had a lot to do with why they ended up settling with Toronto. Um 
But I don't know. I was just thinking about that uh, a couple days ago and thought, man, that would have been really fucking interesting. And you know what? If you're New Orleans and it didn't work out and say Kawhi leaves, you're in the same fucking boat you're in now without all the fucking drama that's ensued. And then you just go into, you know, Kawhi leaves in the offseason and you're like, well, all right, well, Anthony, do you want to extend? No, not really. Okay, we're going to trade you now. Like, same boat, really. And it's not like you got that much for Miritich anyway. So, I don't know. I, I, I think that would have been very interesting. I guess the one downside to that would be that you would not have um, – you wouldn't still have Drew Holiday to, to trade. Um, but you would have had a much better season. Um, and, and who knows, like – one little thing goes your way, and maybe Kawhi, um, like a, a core of, you know, Danny Green to hit threes, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, Randall, like just gobbling, like just getting rebounds in the paint and everything. Maybe that's enough to um, make a big splash, and and you know, then Katie walks, and and you know, hey, maybe Kawhi would be like, fuck it, man, I don't know, I like playing with this Anthony Davis guy. Um, it would have been interesting, is all I'm saying. Uh, anyway, um, I guess if you want to comment on that, but more, more so just the Kawhi, uh, DeRozan swap. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fun idea that you gave, but they clearly didn't, you took the words right out of my mouth. They didn't want to trade West, like by any means. No. Um, so that was, they didn't want to have never, more ever, ever. Right, right. It was just, they didn't want Kawhi to haunt them. Like if he was going to haunt them, they wanted it to be in the finals. Um, not four or five times a year. Like, they didn't want that. Um, so that was just never something that they were going to do. But the uh, the trade itself, I mean, it, I, I still want to know more, more more of why, like the why. I mean, Kawhi, you, you started your career um, as an NBA you, – you were the um, – what is it? The NBA Finals uh, MVP. Thank you. I don't know why I can think of that word. Yeah. You're the Finals MVP. Like, dude, I think it was your – Second, your first or second? No, your second or third year. You're the finals MVP. You were winning championships there, or a championship rather, um, and you were in the finals back to back years. Like, I don't know how you look at that winning formula. That's just like when people say it's not fun to play in New England. They just won another Super Bowl. Like, how is it not fun doing the one thing you were playing sports for? Well, besides money, the other thing you were playing <laughs> that major sport for. I, I'll never understand that, like, ever. Um, so I, I just will, will always be curious about that. But if you're San Antonio, DeMar DeRozan has been really good for you this year. Um, and if you're the Spurs, you haven't drastically taken a step back. You're still in the playoffs. Um, I can't remember what seed they're at now, but, uh, they went from a team that we thought weren't going to make the playoffs to where now a lot of people are like, if you're playing the Spurs first round, you might not want to. Like the Spurs are looking like a, a good team. Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, if you're talk, especially, time, dude, if if so, somehow the Spurs were able to square off against Portland in the first round, um, or you know, I would, I wouldn't necessarily like their odds against Denver, but I, I would, I would respect it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, yeah. I think so, I think I mean, they got two matchups right now that they would feel very comfortable with. Absolutely, and if you're the Spurs dealing away a Finals uh, MVP player like Kawhi and getting back a DeMar DeRozan, that's not that bad. I mean, we've seen worse trades. I mean, you know, 
Um, sure. So, I mean, that's, that's a solid trade. So, I don't think anyone's a loser. I think they both won that trade. Um, and if you're Toronto, if you keep Kawhi, then you definitely won that trade. I mean, you definitely both won be... that trade. Sorry. I'm going to be really interested to see what they do with these two first-round picks. I can't remember the last time the Spurs had two first-round picks. Um, yeah. And they're just really good at drafting. Um, we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of progress out of Derek White this year. They drafted DeJounte Murray late. Um, they just they make usually more right decisions as far as drafting prospects and then wrong ones. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'll be really interested to see um, – who who they go for, what positions they target, all that kind of stuff to really evaluate this trade long term. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. And as far as if you're Toronto, like it, it makes all the sense in the world. Roll the fucking dice. Um, I don't think they're going to keep him. Um, not not simply because he wants to be in LA, because um, we saw that narrative with Paul George and it didn't pan out. More so because I think the Clippers actually have a really legitimate team to offer him. Um, And I think that will go a long way um, as to selling him on the Clippers. Not that the Raptors don't. They're just – there's more questions there. Um, You know, you you have two really good young pieces in Siakam and Van Vliet. Um, But I don't think Van Vliet is really a – starting caliber guard. I think he's like the best of the best kind of backup point guards, um, which is really good to have, but like that's not what I would quantify as like a great young role player. Um, it's like a really good young role player. Um, Siakam is great. Siakam is going to be fucking he, – he may very well be the most improved player of the year, um, and he's fucking awesome. Uh, and Ananobi, um, he's solid. Um, I – Struggle to see how he fits with Kawhi um, and Siakam at the same time. Um, so that's a question. Um, but, like, I mean, if you're looking at the Clippers lineup with Shea, they just picked up Landry Shamit. Um, they've got Lou Williams off the bench. They've got uh, Gallinari. Uh, they've got um, – they just picked up um, uh, Zubats uh, from uh, the Lakers. Uh, they got Harrell off the bench. Uh, they got a really fucking good team of guys that are signed, either signed through next year or in um, Zubat's case, uh, has a very, very low cap hold. Um, so the, the, the Clippers team looks really nice uh, right now, and I, I think that'll be the deciding factor, not him wanting to be in L.A. Um, damn, well, we we ran a little long, so we're going to have to leave it there, unfortunately. We'll, we'll – uh, maybe delve back into some of this other other uh, trades um, next week. Um, Thursday we're going to be off. Uh, it's obviously tournament time, um, so we're going to be off this Thursday. We'll be back next Tuesday and next Thursday. Uh, Dane uh, will obviously be on tomorrow with another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, so be sure to check that out, 7 o'clock tomorrow night, Wednesday. Um, and, of course, uh, the whole gang will be here uh, on Sunday at 8 o'clock uh, for another episode of Geek Vibes Live, so be sure to uh, check us out then. Uh, Jawan, man, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, man. Have fun.
Indeed, sir. You as well. Uh, but until next time, we will see you then. Until then, that was terrible. Until then, <laughs> next time, when we will, huh? What's going on? Uh, anyway, uh, we're out. Peace. Peace.